How many of you are dog lovers? Let me see your hands. Dog lovers, dog lovers. Thank you. So now, Chris Tanner is over here this morning. So what you need to do to make him feel loved is just come up and give him a noogie on the head <laughs> and just give him a nice big old bear hug and help him scratch those burns he got from when he dumped his bike that are all over his arms and legs. So you're welcome. Andrew's going, don't you dare do that. Okay. Well, there was a man who loved dogs, and he was pouring a new sidewalk in front of his house. And his neighbor watched from the window. When the walk was just about done, and the man was smoothing out the last of the, the sidewalk, a dog came walking across his work made paw prints on it. So then he went and smoothed out where the dog had walked and left his paw prints. He went back to his garage and brought out a fence because he, he, he knew he was going to need to put a fence around his new work. So by the time he got his fence out to put around the sidewalk, what do you suppose he found in his new sidewalk? He found some more paw prints. So he took the trowel and smoothed out the, the cement there, and then he put the fence around the walk. He went up the steps in his front porch into the house to get a glass of iced tea because he was going to come out and admire his handiwork and just relax on the front porch for a little bit. When he came out with his glass of tea, fence around the sidewalk, what do you think he saw in his, in his new handiwork? He saw some more stinking paw prints. He was not happy. He grabbed his trowel, he stomped down the steps, and he worked around the fence as best he could to smooth out the paw prints that were there. While he was doing that, along comes this dog, jumps over the fence, and lays down in the concrete. <laughs> the guy goes into his house, grabs his handgun, comes out and shoots the dog dead. It's a story, okay? Just go with it. By this time, his neighbor comes out and says, I thought you loved dogs. What are you doing? I thought you just you were a dog lover. You had never said, said, I do love dogs. I do love dogs, but that's in the abstract. I hate it when they're in the concrete. <laughs> An hour later, some of you are going, oh, that's what he meant. <laughs> If you don't understand, just ask Andrea. She'll be glad to explain it to you later. So, so I get that. And I get that line of thinking when it comes to forgiveness. Because when we're in church or when we're reading our Bible or when we're talking about forgiveness and where we're having other people talk about forgiveness, I love talking about forgiveness in the abstract. But when it comes down to where I need to ask someone to be forgiven or I need to forgive someone, I'm not so keen on forgiveness in the concrete. Two questions. Would you say that it's easy to ask for forgiveness? Easy to ask for forgiveness. 
Question number two. Would you say it's easy to give forgiveness? Proverbs 18 verse 19 says this. A brother wronged is more unyielding than a fortified city. Disputes are like the barred gates of a citadel. And so I suggest a couple of things, two reasons why we struggle with forgiveness. Now, you can probably come up with more, but here are two. Number one, forgiveness is not natural. When I need to forgive somebody, that is not the first thing that pops in my mind. Other things pop in my mind, but that's not the first thing to forgive. Forgiveness is not natural. Second one, forgiveness is not fair. If I forgive, are they gonna get away with what they did? Peter, one of Jesus' 12 disciples, was thinking about forgiveness one day, and so he asked Jesus a question. And we are in Matthew chapter 18. We are beginning in verse 21, Matthew 18. And Peter says this to Jesus, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? And so Peter knew that there were barriers to forgiving other people. I'm guessing that you can think of some barriers to forgiving others. Let me suggest three barriers of an unforgiving heart. Number one, there is the barrier of revenge. I'm going to get even. And some people take pride when they say that. Barrier number two, the barrier of resentment. I'm going to stay angry. And barrier number three of an unforgiving heart is remembering I will never forget. Now, do you relate to any of those barriers? Before Jesus got a chance to reply to Peter's question, Peter went ahead and answered his own question by suggesting to forgive seven times. Now, if you know anything about Peter, you know that he was rather impulsive, and sometimes he did impulsively. He did good things, sometimes impulsively. He did bad things. And so we might think that when he said seven times that he's kind of being selfish. The reality is Peter might actually have been more gracious than most because the rabbis in that day said that if you're going to forgive somebody, you can forgive them three times, but after that, they're kind of on their own. You don't need to worry about it any longer. Jesus responded to Peter seven times. I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. And so was Jesus putting a, a limit on it? Like after you forgive somebody 25, 26, 27 times, only 50 more times to go that I have to forgive them? No, the reality is, Jesus was making this point. We do not keep score 
when it comes to forgiveness. Do you keep score? Do you remember the times that name the person did such and such to you? Since forgiveness without limits that Jesus is clearly talking about is a rather difficult for us to grasp, he told a story to Peter and his disciples that were around him. We begin at Matthew 18, verse 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Now, Jesus is telling a story. And the 10,000 bags that Jesus is talking about, this is an astronomical amount of money. This man could never repay the king 10,000 bags of gold. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him, be patient with me and I will pay back everything which he wouldn't have been, but that's what he was saying. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt and let him go. This is what forgiveness is all about. To forgive is to cancel the debt. Is that how you forgive? Do you cancel the debt, wipe it out, remove it from your life? I've been in situations where I've hurt someone and I can promise you every time it is no fun to go and ask for forgiveness. But when I receive forgiveness, when somebody says I forgive you, that is a great feeling. One of the best feelings in the entire world. Is it possible that you have done something to hurt someone but you've never gone ahead and asked for them to forgive you? And that's still in your brain? Would you like to have that removed from you so it doesn't bug you? Let me give you three action steps if you need forgiveness. Number one action step, face your friend. If you're the guilty party, meet your friend face to face. Matthew 5, uh, Jesus tells his friends, his disciples that were listening to him, that if they are offering a sacrifice according to the Jewish law, as they offer a sacrifice, and as they're getting ready to offer sacrifice, they, they remember that they have this thing with a friend of theirs. And when that happens, Jesus said this, Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Might there be someone that you need to go to 
this week to stop by their house or their locker or where they work. Action step if we need forgiveness, number two, own the wrong. There's a phrase when you play basketball and you make a stupid pass. It's my bad. You own the pass, you did the stupid thing, it's my mistake, it's not yours, my bad. When we mess up on our relationships, Jesus wants us to own the wrong. He doesn't want us to merely say that something bad happened. He wants us to own the wrong. Don't you love it when someone apologizes to you? When they've done something and they come to apologize to you, and in the course of their apology, they start making excuses. And then they insinuate, if not outright saying it, that you're really kind of part of the issue, part of the issue yourself. And so, that's my apology. Don't you love it when people apologize? Like, don't be that kind of person. You don't like it. Don't, when it happens to you, don't do that to anybody else. If you're going to apologize, own the stinking wrong. Action step number three. Ask for release. After facing your friend and owning up to the wrong, ask for release. Well, saying I'm sorry is fine, but saying I'm sorry is quite different from saying, will you forgive me? When you ask someone to forgive you and they say, that's okay, it's not that big of a deal, let me encourage you to say back to that person, I appreciate that. But will you forgive me for the wrong I've done to you? Because there is a difference when we say to someone, will you forgive me? Is there someone this week that you need to go and ask them to forgive you? Back to the story that Jesus was telling Peter and uh, the disciples. The man who had been forgiven the 10,000 bags of gold ran into a coworker later on. This coworker owed him some money. It was nothing compared to the 10,000 bags of gold. It was a mere pittance. And yet, this guy who had been forgiven the 10,000 bags of gold debt, when his friend came walking by, he got torqued at this guy for what he owed him. And he said, you need to pay me. If you don't pay me, I'm going to throw you in jail. And so this guy begged him that he would forgive him of the debt, give him time to pay him back. No, 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 no. This guy who had been forgiven the 10,000 bags of gold debt threw this guy in prison. There is a German poet by the name of Heinrich Heine. He's been dead about 150 years. What he said is, it makes perfect sense today. He wrote in his biography these words. My nature is the most peaceful in the world. 
All I ask is a simple cottage, a decent bed, good food, some flowers in front of my window, and a few trees beside my door. Then, if God wanted to make me completely happy, he would let me enjoy the spectacle of six or seven of my enemies dangling from those trees. I would forgive them all the wrongs they have done me from the bottom of my heart, for we must forgive our enemies, but not until they're hanged. Is your forgiveness of an offender available only after they've been punished? As the man forgiven of the 10,000 bags of gold debt uh, had this friend of his thrown into prison, you and I, when somebody owes us something, we surely don't throw them in prison, do we? Or do we? Is it possible that we put people in prison by using the silent treatment? Is it possible that we put friends and family and co-workers and schoolmates, Christian brothers and sisters, in prison by simply avoiding them, ignoring their texts, their emails, not answering their call, not going to the knock on the door, walking past them when we see them? Is it possible we put prison in people by tearing into them with verbal assaults? By the way, got a few people you'd like to hang in your backyard? In Jesus' story, as he continues, the king learns of the forgiven servant's unacceptable behavior. Matthew 18, verse 32. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. I'm guessing the torturing that Jesus is talking about is totally unpleasant. And at this point in the story, I envision Jesus looking around at Peter and the rest of the disciples and says this, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Was Jesus serious? Was he exaggerating? Was he lying? And he doesn't really mean what he says? I would suggest to you that Jesus told the truth. And he meant what he said. Now, torturers 
maybe there are some torturers just shy of being tortured in our life. But just speculating, when we don't forgive, might these be some of the torturers that come our way? The torturers of anger and bitterness. When we don't forgive and that anger and bitterness eats us up from the inside out. Or the torturers of frustration and hatred, the kind that give us ulcers and migraines and high blood pressure and tightness in our shoulders. Or when we don't forgive, could there be a torture that makes us lie awake at night stewing over what somebody has done to me? What happens when we don't forgive? We end up being tortured. What happens when we do forgive? When we forgive, we give up our demands of the other person for them to have perfect behavior, perfect justice. We give up our demand for perfect retribution. And when we forgive, we then begin to experience perhaps in a different way how much we all or in need of forgiveness from one another and from our Heavenly Father. So where are you today? Is there someone that you need to ask for forgiveness? Is there someone that you need to give to them your forgiveness? I want us to do a forgiveness inventory. You did probably not expect this, but you're here, so you get it, all right? And I'm going to give you the opportunity to do something that if you participate and God is in your participation, it will change your life and the lives of the people that you react with and live with. Would you bow your head and close your eyes. When the praise team comes out, I'm asking them once they get everything set up that they close their eyes, that no one watches. This is between you and God. I'm not even going to pay attention what goes on with you. Here's why. There are four categories that I'm going to talk about in our forgiveness inventory. And when I come to those four categories, at the end of each category, I am going to ask you if this applies to you. If you're ready, will you raise your hand? Now, I'm going to ask a couple of questions before I get to the raise your hand part, but don't raise your hand before I ask you to. Okay? Every head bowed, every eye closed. This is between you and God. Category number one. Is there someone you've wronged and you haven't admitted it to them? Don't raise your hand. This is not the place I'll ask you to raise. Is there someone you've wronged and you haven't admitted it to them? 
as much as you may not want to, should you ask for forgiveness from that person? Are you ready to go to that person and make things right? If you are ready to go to that person and make things right, would you please raise your hand, every head bowed, every eye closed. Category two, have you been nursing a grudge? Are you giving someone the silent treatment or are you ignoring them? Have you been holding something against someone? So in all honesty, do you need to extend forgiveness to that person? Are you ready to forgive the debt they owe you? If you are ready to forgive the debt they owe you, would you please raise your hand? Category number three. If you are a Christian, if you are following Jesus, but your behavior or attitudes have honestly been keeping God at arm's length, do you want to receive his forgiveness? Are you willing to tell God what you've done wrong or what you are continuing to do wrong? Are you willing to ask for his forgiveness? If as a Christian, you are ready to confess your sin to God and ask his forgiveness, would you please raise your hand? Category number four. If you have never made a decision to follow Jesus. You have never committed your life to him. You've never let him wipe out your sins. You've not come to him. You've not been immersed into him. You've not let him become the ruler of your life. If you've not done that, you need God's forgiveness. If this is you and you know it's you, and you want to receive God's forgiveness, would you please raise your hand? If you're in the fourth category, when we sing, I invite you to please walk to the front and be seated on the front row. You will not be asked what you have done wrong. You will not be required to tell anyone but God. You can begin a brand new forgiven life today. If you would like prayer about forgiveness and to maybe discuss it with someone, or you want prayer about anything, when we sing, I invite you also to the front. 
If you are watching online and you would like to talk, contact us by the information you see on your screen and we will get in touch with you no later than tomorrow. God, I know, I mean, I, I, I didn't watch, so I don't know that part. But with this number of people in this room and the fact that we are wanting to follow you, there are people in this room that your Holy Spirit is dealing with their heart. And you're working on them and you're coaxing them and you're tugging at their heart for them to release something to you, for them to make a commitment to you to go talk to someone, for them to be forgiving. Father, I ask that they not leave this room today until you and they have worked it out what they need to do. May they not put it off to a later date. We have this moment and may they, may we all take the time you have given us to meet you and to allow you to deal with us. Thank you for your compassion, for your kindness, for your grace, and for dealing with our hearts. May we respond as you are telling us to respond. I bring all of this to you through the name of Jesus.